welcome to the Mar Experience. My name is Matt Shedd. In this episode, I speak with married couple Michelle and Tony, who volunteer here at Mar. They first heard about us after their daughter had passed away from the disease of addiction. As part of their healing process, they eventually both became regular participants in one of Mar's spiritual life groups. In these weekly groups, current clients meet with outside members from the community to talk about spiritual struggles common to all human beings, whether they are in recovery from chemical dependency or not. Why don't you all just start by introducing yourselves? Well, I'm Michelle. And I'm Tony. How'd you all get involved with Mar? Well, it was, I've been a volunteer for nine years, mm. and I had a friend that volunteered for Mar a long time ago, and she said that I might be a good fit to volunteer, and so I went to training and started um, right after I finished training. And and is that kind so, of the same thing for you? Yeah, pretty much, except uh, my, uh, <clears throat> I took a couple of years to decide that I was actually going to go through with volunteering for Mar. We've been talking about it for years. And uh, then, of course, it was because Michelle's involvement that I got involved. Okay. I've heard such wonderful stories. I've been a volunteer for three years. Great. Why don't we start with you then, Michelle? Can you tell me a little bit about what was going on that led you to get interested in um, in 2004, we lost our daughter Ashley to a uh, heroin overdose. So, I had um, a little bit exper- of experience in just, you know, gr- I, I've been involved with grief. Um, you know, can- I was counseled in in you know dealing with my grief, but I thought I needed more, um, just more, and so I I thought about volunteering at Mar, and that's how sort of how I got into it. So what what kind of immediately struck you about Mar? It was the education that they gave us um, at the training. Um, it really helped me understand addiction more and what my child was probably going through as well. And the people who were volunteering at that time just loved it. I mean, they were really just so involved. And there was something, I, I didn't know exactly what it was at that time, but there was something about it that was um, a great feeling that it gave me. So what was kind of your impression, uh, Tony, during this time when you were seeing her get involved in Mar, and what 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 kind of led you to, to pursue getting involved well, yourself? Well, our experience with drugs and alcohol goes back <clears throat> way before our daughter passed away. She struggled with the addiction side of it for probably 10 years. And uh, the last two years, she was clean. And during that period, she spoke to us and told us absolutely everything about the previous eight years, which we had just didn't have any clue what was going on. And so I realized how much I didn't know as a parent. And then Michelle was involved with the counseling side of the equation, having been volunteering at Mar uh, for years prior to me coming on. And so it was just fascinating for me to see the addict side and the parent side and to kind of put them together mm-hmm. and say, maybe I could make a difference. So you volunteer at this spiritual life group, right? So tell me tell me a little bit about what what the group is like, kind of the the structure of it. and our group meets on Wednesday nights. There's about 40 people. Mm -hmm. Um, Out of that group, you have 
young men who've just are relatively new to the program that are in halfway. And there's probably eight to 10 of those, eight to 12. And then about another six, eight volunteers that are just civilians who may have never had any struggles mm -hmm. with alcohol or drugs. And then a bunch of people who are in recovery who have may have been in the program for five, 10, 20, 30 years who are old sages and really can contribute an awful lot, mm -hmm. perhaps a lot more than what we can. Mm. But so we come at it from a, I come up at it as from a parent's perspective and uh, they come at it from a perspective of a alcoholic that's been in recovery and you know what you can obtain and they can also uh, see through a lot of the BS um, and they can shut that down a lot quicker than we can recover. I see. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think the spiritual life group brings to treatment for the clients here? Well, for me, I think it's the community part of that. The people that are not in treatment and the people that are in treatment, um, the, the, everybody is getting something from that, um, being in a community environment and just, um, you know, learning from each other, really. I, I learn as much from the guys in treatment as I'm sure that they probably learn, you know, from us. Mm -hmm. um, it's just a wonderful thing, and they're not isolated. I think a lot of treatment centers, you know, you're just in treatment and you don't get access to other people that are just, you know, in the in the world um, and not in treatment. And, and I think that's what they do here at Mars so well is the community part of that. Um, and then when they leave treatment, they, they know us and the volunteers. I mean, I have so many wonderful friendships now from just the guys that have been in treatment here at Mar and now that are out in the community and working and uh, living their life. And I think that's what Mar does that is so special. The, guys always bring the topic. And so it's always something that one of the men is struggling with. And so what would that be? Like, what's an example of what that might be? Well, let's say somebody has struggling with some, some surrender acceptance. Or, or acceptances or, or even fear or, um, there really are so many issues, mm -hmm. but they'll usually bring a topic and then, Perhaps at the beginning of the meeting, say Doug or Ashley will say, is anybody going to bring a topic? And then there's a lot of staring at the carpet and you know, everybody's sort of looking up to see if somebody else is going to talk and silence and sometimes might be a long silence. could be five, ten minutes. It I, can be intimidating. I bet, yeah. Very yeah. Intimidating. yeah. I think that's what it is. Well, we get to go around occasionally and share some of our struggles and I think then they realize that we're all human and we all we're we're not just in there to everything's not always okay with us. We've had struggles as well. And sometimes I share, you know, about our daughter. And so they kind of get it then that mm. we are not just in there to because we're different. I think it's when when they hear that, they begin to realize that we're all the we're all much more alike than we are different, and, and I think they, they like, to, they know that then. And I think the connection is, we talk about spirituality in the group and what that means to us, and it's all different for everybody. 
but for me, I feel that spiritual connection when when we're in the group. It's it's we're all connected, and because we're human, we've all got struggles, and I think that's where that part of the spiritual connection starts. And they may not even know that that's really what it is, but by the end of their stay at Mar, I think they feel it. Is that something that you found as well, Tony? That there's a lot of commonality that yes yes without a doubt i see these young men their first 30 days wondering what we're what we're doing there especially when sometimes we tend to share things that are perhaps less significant at the time but then later on they realize that maybe there was something to that but a lot of times about every 90 days i'll share something that's a lot deeper uh something that i've struggled with um I'm in recovery from uh, uh, cancer, and so I share something that's a little deeper. Mm-hmm. And just to just to simply uh, say that, you know, we've been through some heavy stuff too mm-hmm. and try to get on a, a level playing field with them. Could you give us an example of an interaction that you might be able to? Well, every time they have a family week uh, and a young man is struggling with family week, if that topic comes up, I will always contribute to it as a parent. Tell them we went to many, many parent family weeks when our daughter was in different treatment centers. And as a parent coming to family week, it's very intimidating. Well, these young men, they're all worried and they're scared about how their parents are going to react and how their family, wife, or how they're going to react. And so I share with them how it is for us and try to tone it down a little bit so that they understand that, you know, they're not the only one that's worried about this and that they're all going to learn an enormous amount from it. Just be honest and mm-hmm. share what you've got to say. Mm-hmm. And your feelings. Yeah. And going back to the feelings thing, feeling school at our training, that was probably the most <laughs> interesting part of the training. Tell us about that. Feeling school. Well, when you come into training, you don't know what you're training for. Right. You don't know, <clears throat> have a clue. You just know you're going to go to training at MAR as a volunteer. You don't know whether there's... I knew my wife, what she was doing, but I thought, well, they might have a thousand other things to do as a volunteer. So I'm going to this feeling school and learning, I guess, about my own feelings. And uh, it was all new to me. And I discussed it with Michelle, and she said, you know, this is what I've been telling you about for all these years, you know. (laughs) And I'm like, okay, this is what they're trying to dig out of these young men yeah is their feelings and then trying to you know a lot of times they can they all lay it out on lay it all out Uh and some of the meetings can get pretty raw sure as far as you know them and i'm more prepared to accept that and a little confrontation and a little bit of heavier material so much of this is about feelings for people that might not be familiar with mar or recovery this is that's probably kind of confusing like so could you kind of unpack that a little bit? Well, in, in my experience in our groups, when we hear um, people who have come in and are struggling possibly with things of the past, something that's happened in the past, um, sometimes they haven't really expressed their feelings. They've kind of stuffed them down and taken a drink or used a drug to you kind of, um, you know, silence that feeling I guess and um, when they're 
in treatment and not on drugs or alcohol, I think those feelings in a safe environment like MAR and like our spiritual groups, they're able to share those feelings in a, in a very safe place. And um, they can get those out. And, and then once they're out, I think that, that gives you a lot of freedom mm-hmm. to, to um, you know, just be... Just be okay with that. Mm-hmm. And even if it's something really bad that's happened to them in their past, um, they're not alone. You know, mm-hmm. when they're sharing it with us or with um, other people, they're not alone in that. Mm-hmm. So one thing I've noticed is that, of course, these feelings are are <clears throat> held back to such a huge degree. Some of the men, they'll stay the 90 days and then they'll stay in three quarters for another two months, three months, six months, and it's only then that you see all these feelings just come oozing out. And you're like, well, wow, a 30-day program just wouldn't have worked for you, would it? Mm -hmm. And there's a really good example right now of a young man who um, thought he'd lost his wife and his kids, and uh, he was in treatment for the, the full 90 days, and then uh, in three quarters for another six months, even more. And it was only towards the end of that that he started getting his relationship back with his wife, which we all knew every little detail about and had all been advising him and discussing it and trying to help him along. And it wasn't until he unbottled his feelings and that he was able to really put it all on the table and discover wow, this is something I can salvage if I only do make the changes that I need to make. And he now has his relationship back with his wife and his kids, and they bought a house together. And, uh, I mean, it's the happily ever after story. That must be so powerful to watch Mm -hmm. that unfold week by week. Absolutely. Much better than watching TV. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, without a doubt. Yeah, right. Real life, seeing real life. Yeah. Yeah. It it is a a wonderful part of recovery to see people come back together it doesn't always happen like that Mm -hmm. but what usually does happen people do get their lives back and they get to participate in their lives again and try to work on getting some of the things back that they've lost through their addiction Mm -hmm. i like that participate in their lives yeah yeah that's that's just something that you can't probably for most people can't they can't access in in 30 days I mean, is that, um, have you seen that kind of? No, const- constantly. I mean, 30 days is absolutely useless. It's probably the most worthless concept that was ever created. Um, and I'm sure there's some very famous people who decided that a 28-day program, 30-day program was the cure-all, but it's absolutely not. I mean, 30 days is just touching on the surface. And I would recommend that absolutely everybody who does the 90-day program should stay within the community for an additional period, whatever they can spare, maybe another three months or whatever, because the community is what's so important. Mm -hmm. Almost every one of these men will tell you how much they got out of community living. Mm -hmm. And it's not what goes on in the meetings as much as what goes on on the back porches. And when they're out there, perhaps smoking cigarettes or whatever, talking to their buddies and talking to the other people in the community with, a lot of times you might have a, 18 or 20 year old within this with a 60 year old and that's done intentionally sometimes it's not but 
there's a lot of wisdom that a older man can get from a 20 year old without it necessarily having to be the 20 year olds learning from the 60 year old. Mm-hmm. It goes both ways. Right. Mm-hmm. Which kind of reminds me of what you all were saying about the, you know, people that are in recovery, long-term recovery and people that are new in recovery and people that aren't in recovery from drug or alcohol addiction, all in the spiritual life group that somehow that all comes together and everyone yeah. helps each other. I think we're all in recovery for something. Right. You know, it may not be the chemical part of addiction, but certainly it's affected my life, you know, my family. Um, but yes, there's something that happens in those groups that is really um, spiritual. And I, I can't explain it. You can't put your finger on it, but it is a beautiful experience. Um, and the feeling you get, and when people say goodbye at the end, um, to know that you have been affected and they've been affected by something, either a hug or something that has happened, um, you know, in that 90 days in that spiritual group, there's something sacred about that um, in that place where you can do that. There's not many places where you have that experience. Mm. Um, it's not like church. But it's something, and mm-hmm. I, I, don't, I don't know exactly how to explain that, but there's something very special about it. That was our kind of guiding theme for wanting to do this podcast, getting people to talk about that special thing that happens at Mar that you can't really can't really put a finger on, you know? Um, yeah. And it's, I loved also what you just said, we're all in recovery from something. I think that might be yeah. the, that might be the episode title yeah. right there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because for me and my family of origin, I, I didn't know until my daughter started struggling with addiction that I was affected by that so dramatically. And, and then when she was, went into treatment, I started learning about the family disease and even now more here at Mar, I've learned so much more about that. And so you can unravel that in your own life, and it, it, it can just help, you know, live a, a better, more healthy, healthy life. Mm-hmm. What do you mean by it being a family disease? I think that might be a new idea for some of the people listening. Well, for instance, in my family, my, my mom's is an alcoholic and she struggled for all my life with with her um, addiction and I believe that it it hits different families in different ways but it certainly is something that the whole family has to look at their part in the addiction and work on themselves and I think if they're doing that the outcome for the patient who is in recovery is so much better. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what I've seen here at Mar, and um, and when you don't do that, I think it's harder for the the person in treatment. Mm-hmm. It's hard to do, but I think it's so worth it mm-hmm. to see a family doing well and everybody's on board with the the recovery part. Michelle didn't have uh, opportunity opportunity to talk about how one alcoholic living in a home affects the relationships with their children and the wife and in-laws and everybody that alcoholic has probably lied to and stolen from and affected their whole worlds in so many ways. And that's probably the biggest web that has to be untangled and that the alcoholic has to resolve 
when they're in treatment. Now, obviously, as volunteers, that's not our area, <laughs> but we do see it and help add our perspective as parents of an alcoholic. We do try to add that to the discussion. And I've found it's been very meaningful to uh, quite a few young men who've come and spoken to me after I've discussed that topic. And it's been helpful to me, too. I think a lot of times, unknowingly, we as parents enable our children or continue to buy into some of the things that we we think we're helping, but it's really hurting. And I've learned so much uh, at MAR from the counselors, the Tuesday night family group, on how to not do that mm -hmm. and how that almost keeps the cycle of addiction going. Um, and when we, we as family members stop doing that, it gives... It gives the pay, the person in treatment room and space to really receive the treatment mm -hmm. completely. And I think when you're in the way as a parent, unknowingly or knowingly, uh, you sometimes interfere with that. that. Mm -hmm. And I think I, that is one thing I've learned so well here at MAR. And mm -hmm. it, it is, it's been great for me. Uh, to learn that just as a parent and I, we have a son that's 36, it's helped me in that area as well. And I think, um, that's the education that parents need, mm -hmm. um, to, because it helps. I think when they stop helping, um, the person tends to get into recovery and stay in recovery. Thanks for listening to the Mar experience. We'll be coming out with new episodes every month. So stay tuned. If you'd like to be involved or give us feedback regarding the podcast, you can email us at podcast at marinc.org. And if you want to stay connected with what's going on at Mar, you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter. We'll see you next time.